Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is William Gibbs, Hotels Director and a member of the board at Sir Richard Sutton Limited. Coming up on today's show... William tells us how he prepared himself to come on the show. And I was like, well, I've been drinking for about the last four hours. Phil has a go at William over his early career plan. You really were keen to cling on to this glass collecting, weren't you? And William reminisces over his time in one of London's most famous districts. I have such fun memories of so You know, I, I, I have, and they're clean memories. All that and so much more as William talks us through his story and journey to date, along with some great content on asset management and things to look for in your career. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week, so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. In addition, we're extremely proud to be supporting Hospitality Aid, a Live Aid-style concert fully streamed online around the world, packed full of performing talent from within the industry. Head over to experience101.co.uk to get involved. We need everyone behind it. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today's guest comes from the world of finance, from within the world of hotels, has worked for a number of marquee brands, I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, and now finds himself as director of hotels for the multifaceted and award-winning, award-winning, sorry, owning and management company, Sir Richard Sutton Limited. Welcome to the show, William Gibbs. Thank you very much, Phil. How are you doing? Great to be here. I'm great. Yeah, great. Busy as always, even in COVID, but actually, yeah, great. Great. Looking great. forward to our hotels getting back opening. Yeah. Oh, God, I can bet. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I don't think you'll be alone in that. No. Yeah. Well, one one thing I wanted to, to get on with kind of straight away was to dispel this myth that seems to be out there in the wider world that finance is boring, because that's certainly not my experience. I'm pretty sure that won't be yours as well, but... Uh, are you are you on board with that? Mm, I'm I'm on the fence. I'm definitely <laughs> on the fence on that one. Um, uh, it took me ten years to get into it properly, and it took me about ten years to get out of it. So, so, right. so, so but you never quite leave it. It's like holding onto my leg. But but no no no. It, it uh, it's it's a great background. Um, uh, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Okay. Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Well, let's start at university. How did you get into this line of work and just talk us through your your life and choices? No, thank you, Phil. Um, uh, uh, interesting uh, background um, uh, in terms of uh, started off quite young, um, uh, uh, collecting glasses in pubs. I think a lot of uh, when you hear stories of people, how do they fall into hotel businesses? It's kind of it's pubs or it's uh, working in a restaurant. And mine was very much the same. My uncle had a pub. My grandfather owned a pub in the village. And it was kind of, it was going around, collecting the glasses, uh, helping out behind the bar, watching all the, all the people having fun and kind of going, yeah. I wonder, I want some of what they're drinking and uh, <laughs> I want some of their fun. Uh, and it was really just, it was... Well, that's, that's, uh, in the, that's in the blood, isn't it? Well, the, uh, uh, well I don't want to come from where you come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do know, an odd pint of Guinness. But, but, it, yeah. but it, it, that's how it started. It, you know, music in the pub, the atmosphere in the pub. That's that's what I just loved. And, and uh, you know, pe- people after a sports game would come in. And, and I just really, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the atmosphere. And uh, my uncles had an engineering business, so I spent most of my youth actually working, uh, fixing farm machinery and painting gates and, and working. And one of my uncles had a farm and I was actually working on the farm as well. So, so a lot of it was, was 
occasionally collecting glasses in the pub, but most of the time working. And, and um, went through school, certainly wasn't a grade A student in school, was much more interested in playing sport and out and about. And when it came to college, couldn't really decide what I wanted to do. Uh, there was a part of me that wanted to do finance because I was right. just interested in making a hell of a lot of money and retiring as quick <laughs> as I could. Um, and there was a part of me that wanted to do engineering. I wanted to join my uncle in the business they had. And then there was another part of me kind of was understanding how could I actually have more fun and collect more yeah. glasses and get drinking some of what everybody else was <laughs> drinking. Um, and, and eventually uh, I found out this hotel management college in Ireland, Shannon Hotel College, and did a bit of research on that and, and, uh, and, and was like, that. well, you know what, this sounds like a good place to go. I was probably about 16 at that stage two, and two years off kind of going to college. So my, my father was like, right, okay, you're not going to be an engineer. I was like, no. So he was like, right, totally disgusted with you. You want to go and work in a hotel? Oh, my God. Uh, and I was like, right, you better go and experience what this whole hotel game is all about. So yeah, there was a... Good there advice. Was a pardon? Good advice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so there, was, there was a hotel in town in Limerick City. Glentwood Hotel, small three-star kind of three-star tour business hotel, and rocked up there. He knew the GM in the hotel. He gave him a call, and he said, "Right, send him down." So I came down, and he said, "Right, Mr. Gibbs." He said, "Yeah," and he said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I want to want to get experience working at Chase. What experience do you have? I collect glasses. I'm great at collecting glasses." So, <laughs> so he said, "Right," he said, "You can start tomorrow." He said, "But what rate of pay?" like and i certainly wasn't great at negotiating those days because i was like well i really need the job so i'll just do it for nothing wow just so i can get the experience and and that was it that's where it all started i'll never forget that the second day i was i was in the hotel this american lady i mean you have to remember you know irish naive young and not much experience and she comes over to me and she goes sorry she said american lady came over she said where could you tell me where the restrooms are uh, and i looked around and I said, there's plenty of restroom around here. <laughs> I hadn't a clue where this, what she was. Didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. So off, off I went anyway through the hotel, through work in the hotel, uh, started in the restaurant, and I hated it. Oh, absolutely. It was, right. it was serving breakfast. It was like, I can't do this. There was a chef who's a psychopath. He kept screaming at me. I was like, I can't, can't do this at all. Then in, um, I wanted to get some experience in the bar, but I was too young to work in the bar. But, but I was really, I was, I was really, really biting it. And I was kind of I was 16 going on 17. Uh, and, and the bar manager I got to know, and I said to him, can I just collect the glasses in the bar, in the nightclub, in the, eve in the evening? So, so he let me collect the, collect the glasses. You really and were keen to cling on to this glass collecting, weren't you? I wanted to learn everything that I could. And started collecting the glasses and just, and dance music was coming out. And I just, that was it. I was gone. I just loved it. I did it as I did it stayed, used to stay in the hotels. I used to, I used to basically work, work in the nightclub, get up and work in the restaurant in the day. Then I might have the afternoon off. Then I, then I'd come back and, and work. And all I was just interested in was just absorbing the atmosphere, you know, start washing the glasses. Uh, technically I shouldn't have been working there, of course, but, but for the first, but I was, they started to pay me because <laughs> I was doing so many hours. They were like, better pay him something. Yeah. So I think I was getting 50 pounds a week, but sure. I was delighted with it because for me, this was like heaven. I just was, I just seen this whole new world and, 
and it was through through naive eyes but i just wanted to under, absorb it and understand more so so that went on and i did an, and i did the next year after that i went back they asked me back so i did that summer and then they went on to shannon hotel college did two years in shannon and then we and then we spent the, we spent a year out i went off to germany and I wasn't really great at cooking now, and I didn't really like uh, in the in the hotel in Limerick how the chef was treating everyone. Right. But lo and behold, and I'd no word of German, and I had never been out of Ireland, and I was as part of our placement off. I went to Frankfurt, so this was just a completely new, hadn't been on a plane, totally new experience. Landed in Frankfurt, show my room, and basically given a chef's uniform and told to come down the next day at i was told to come down at, at six o'clock in the morning turn up so anyway so i come down the next morning and i was doing breakfast chef 6 a.m they said that the uh, restaurant manager came over italian uh, gentleman came over to me and said yeah you're the new start um he said we got a bit of a problem well, good like, great start <laughs> thanks <laughs> he said uh, the breakfast chef has phoned in sick he goes, I hear you're from a hotel college. He could speak English. His English is quite good. Now, I hear you're from hotel college and you've got chefing experience <laughs> and, and, and and you will be able to do, to, to, do the breakfast. <laughs> well, uh, well the, the, basically, it was just a complete disaster, but managed to get through it somehow. Set yeah. up the buffet, set, set up every... Um, he, he was over in the kitchen helping me set up all the food. And then it came to do the omelette station. Right. So, so live cooking. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, I'd hardly cracked an egg before this. <laughs> so here I was anyway, with his guidance, churning out omelets. They were like, they were basically black on one side and nice and golden on the other side. <laughs> That's the way I like and them, I, actually. <laughs> and and I, 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 was, I was chucking about anyway, and uh, he was just shaking his head going, oh my God, this is just, just, just a disaster. This guy's just better go back to Ireland where he came from. Um, but managing to get through it. Um, and, uh, and I'll never forget this. I, I think it was an American, American guy coming up to me and goes, goes, son, those are fantastic comments. <laughs> And I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm made for it. I'm made for the kitchen. So off we went. It was a, a year's placement and a fantastic year. A real kind of, you know, when you go as a greenhorn and you have no experience and you just, you come back to it with totally different eyes. I, I just, yeah. I, I had to um, share a room with a guy who couldn't speak any English, uh, French, French Algerian. And, um, yeah, yeah, we became we became really good friends, and he, I, I had the, the amount of times that I pulled him out of the Irish bar over in Saxonhausen in Frankfurt. It's just I, I just lost count. <laughs> just, 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 we just went on with a whole year, but it was a year of it was a year of a lot of hard work. We did on-site catering for the Frankfurt Fair, uh, and we used to cater for for the the auto trade fair for four thousand a day on site wow. on the on the Peugeot stand. So all of this was just building. So came back from there, uh, did, fi- finished off my uh, hotel college, and was like, right, I, I really am not sure I'm I'm cut out for this hotel hotel malarkey. Um, may, maybe I should do finance. So I was like, right, I'll go back to Galway and I'll do a master's in finance and economics. So I did. And then and then uh, did that and then and then kind of got to the end of that and was like right I'll go over to London now and I get a training ship in finance. 
Yeah. But I utilized the hotel college to get me a training ship with Forte Hotels. So this is going back quite a bit now. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that name in itself kind of um, puts a date stamp on it, doesn't it, really? Yes, yes, of course it does. It, yeah, it, it very much puts that date stamp. And I arrived over into High Holborn head office, and I was a trainee, finance trainee, with accounting accounting um, uh, study support. So I managed to get my support, study support, which is what I wanted. And my plan was to do this for as short a period as I could and then start applying to the banks for a job in investment banking. That was, that was, that was what I was going to do. Right. I had no idea. Yeah, that was, I was out as soon as I could. I was like, I'm not stick. I'm not, I'm not cut out for all of this hard work and, <laughs> uh, and very little pay. So, so anyway, started off. One of the first things I did was to get uh, the CapEx files together for Grosvenor House, which was being sold, which they had planned to sell at the time. And this is 1998. It wasn't sold in the end, but, but it was sold a bit later. But, but that was actually one of my first jobs. And I remember having 30 Lever Arch files. And it was really the start of me, you know, to taking kind of taking what I'd learned in finance, applying some of the hotel, what I'd learned in in hotels, in the discipline that you need in, in, in what I would probably put like, you know, aesthetically what you're presenting looks perfect or yeah. as perfect as you can get it. And that's kind of what I was trying to apply. So, so I was like, I was making sure in the leave art file that all the pages were the same level. This was just like the sort of stuff I was kind of doing, you know, and, and then, and then so pulling all of this together and then getting a bit of exposure in terms of, you know, it was, it was, there was London finance team. So Patrick Dempsey was heading up the operations. Um, he was MD of London and, and just getting exposure to these guys, Anton Coe. It was after, it was after the Granada takeover. So, so, so actually seeing it through this change and, and, and being very exposed. Anton Coe was chief executive and I used to make a point and quite naively, Used to nobody would go up and sit down beside him when he was having lunch, and I just sit down beside him and and didn't even think about it. Yeah. You know, he loved Ferrari Formula One team. I love McLaren, and and I just talk away, and it was free flowing, and and I was trying to soak up really as much as I could. Yeah. From the time, we had a Forty had a, a joint venture is actually under Limber Indian Hotels with Marco Pierre White. Who, who basically had, he had the Criterion, he had the Mirabel had just opened, uh, he had the Belvedere, he had Covadis, and Lascargo was in there, yeah. all kind of that Soho area. And they had employed a financial controller. It was sitting under the London finance team. And they said to me, we need someone to work with the finance financial controller we've just brought in to sort out this because it's a, a mess. That was slightly different to what, what I kind of, because I was expecting, you know, the real corporate head office. Uh, not that I kind of knew, but that's what I was kind of expecting. Yeah, sure. My own office overlooking London and all of that. But, 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 but what it ended up was being some sort of corner that I was seconded into Marco Pierre White. And here we had these five restaurants that Marco was running around basically just should I put it? He he was running the operations and running the teams. I, I thought you were going to say running around shouting at people. Which well, well, there was maybe a, the same was thing. A bit, but <laughs> but it, it was a little bit late actually in his in his time in terms of shouting. Um, right. But I joined just just as we were opening the Titanic, which was opened on Brewer Street. So it was in the Regent Palace Hotel. 
and I, and so uh, we were literally I, I saw the plans uh, Larry Montak was a financial controller I said from Larry we set up the I set up the accounts payable Larry was basically like you set up everything you've gone to college you understand how finance works you set up everything on the on the accounts payable on the invoicing and and on the ledger and and I'll just deal with you know all the political all the management accounts and you give me a set of accounts i mean i'd never done a set of accounts right i'd never posted an invoice so i just go through this whole process never employed anybody never had to do had to do oh um, and we set up a team and literally in six months had a team had it all in place had our office we moved it to the region palace and actually went through the whole process of of opening the titanic which, which, I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was a phenomenal experience for me because, I, you know, and, and I had, I mean, this was just way beyond what I thought it was. And it, and I'll never forget the night we opened the Titanic, I, I walked in earlier on the evening and been carrying chairs into it and setting it up. And I walked in and I don't know if you know that song, Sing It Back, Bring It Back. I yeah, can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So as I stood on the top of the stairs walking down, walking in, that song was playing and I looked across the restaurant, you had Oasis in one corner, you had All Saints, you had the Spice Girls, you had Jeremy Clarkson sitting on a table with the editors of the Times, you had whoever was who from the fashion world in there. Right. I mean, it was just phenomenal. You just have in to terms of pinch it. yourself. It just, just completely, I mean, just absolutely completely. I stood there and I was like, this is it. This is it. This is what I came to London to do yeah <laughs> and, uh, it, it all went downhill from there. <laughs> but it was but i was just i was absolutely blown away so that was really kind of how it started and and i suppose as well for you that i mean that that sounds like correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like a real thrown in at the deep end kind of scenario whereby somebody's just i suppose given you the opportunity to either sink or swim mm. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, I always, I always look back and wonder how, you know, here I was, here I was doing what, what I'd look at now is guys, simple processes, you know, and actually kind of when you do look in, in college and you do look at what people learn, I, I, I didn't know the practical side of accounts. I knew the theoretical debits and credits and all that, but, but I didn't actually know how to process an invoice. You know, I didn't really, didn't really understand the nuts and bolts and didn't have, but, but, but Larry, I mean, and you know, I was, he just was like, you do it, you get on with it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and all of the, I mean, all, you know, I was dealing with suppliers. I was, I was, I mean, I mean, he was doing some like, you know, he, I mean, you're learning as you're going, but like, we never had any cash. We were, we were always out of cash. And I mean, I spent three years in it and we opened and closed the Titanic in that time. But, but Larry had a, a, a um, Marco had a business partner, Jimmy LaHood, he's Lebanese. Um, That's and a he, owned, name. He, he owned, it's a crack, it, it is. And uh, I went down to see uh, Jimmy. Um, Mar uh, La uh, Larry, the boss, was like, "You need to go down and meet this guy," and he signs the checks. So off I go down to the Scargo, and I'm walking through Soho, and and even Soho, to you know, back in 1998, 99, was a very different place to what it is now. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and I, I, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was vibrant, it was raw, it was in your face, it, it wasn't sanitized. But going up these stairs in in the Scargo, um, you know, there was there was like glasses 
the, 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 the stairs was like worn uh, and, and up I go these stairs and this guy was like, um, is this uh, Billy Gibbs? Yes, yes, uh, come in, come in, come in. Don't stand there. What are you doing standing there? Come in here. Right, sit down there. Okay, well, what have you got for me? I've got, I've got these checks. I need you to sign them, Mr. Hood. Right. What's this check for? It's for this. What's this check for? It's for this. What's this check for? He goes, I haven't got time. I haven't got time for you're giving me too detailed an explanation <laughs> of this. He's just give me the short version. And then and then and then he, he stops, signs all the checks, and he goes, So where are you from? I'm from Ireland. He goes, My wife's from Ireland. Whereabouts in Ireland? Da, 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 da. And he goes, he goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you seem like you seem okay. You seem okay. Uh, and, then, and then he kind of starts to relax and he goes, he goes, look at that painting there. That's an Andy Warhol I just come back from New York with. <laughs> and I was, again, I was like pinching myself. Yeah. Just, just like the, you know, just like, and, and so there was so many of those kind of little stories that came and that came along. But, but, with, but a lot of challenges, a lot of hours. At the time I was, I was, I mean, I can still remember it. I was earning 643 pounds a month. That was that was what the take home pay at the time was, right? And 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 they were, ch- I mean, and four hundred pounds was going on rent, yeah. so it wasn't leaving me with much drinking money because that's all it really was after that. Yeah. But but it was, but I remember going into work at the weekends. I'd go into work at weekends because I had no money to do anything else. Right. You know. Yeah. I just just to use up the weekends and and um and and but I remember loving it. I remember loving you know. I remember loving kind of building building the experience and just working in the day and through the weeks. It was just phenomenal. I mean, we had the Oak Room Restaurant, which was Marco's Three Michelin Star. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently actually, telling them that we used to deliver Michael Winner his dinner, his lunch every day at one o'clock. You know the, right. those little kind yeah. of nuances and you know you had uh, you had some fantastic chefs i mean you know absolutely i mean chris Staines, rob reed you know just cooking roger busy i mean there was a lot of the chefs who came out of there robert reed would have gone back to harvey's you know in in back in um in wandsworth you know so, so you had a lot of heritage and then being surrounded by those people was just phenomenal so it kind of it i just progressed it on it, it I, I went back to meridian the meridian and they wanted when we closed down we ultimately sorted sold the shell of the company back to marco and then i was i was like what am i going to do now so i went back to my accountancy really and looked after uh, head office accounts for Limeridian Hotels, I was looking after their central budget for marketing and for IT. And I had six months, I could only last six months back doing, just stuck at a desk every day. Really? Doing just, just accounts, you know, there was no fun. There was no run around Soho collecting <laughs> money. Uh, there was, you know, there was, there was, there was, there was none of that. It was just day to day. And, and I missed the operations. I really missed the operations side. So I contacted an agency um, and just said, you need to get out. You want to get back to operations and up the uh, hotel. Yeah. And I gave a list of uh, 10 hotels in London that I wanted to work at. Uh, one of them was the Dorchester. Yeah. And luckily a job came up. Right. So I left the head office and I went back closer to the operations, which I wanted to get to. And I was lucky. I joined the Dorchester in an amazing time. I mean, it had always been iconic. But it had kind of hotels had started to change. I heard you talking about. I mean, one of your chats talking about that food revolution that started to happen in London. Yep. I mean, the Titanic, the Atlantic. You know, those were kind of the restaurants that were starting it. But they were big. 
know, they, they were the bigger restaurants, you know, the, the niche sort of smaller restaurant hadn't come. But I really, that, that, that time was a really interesting time in the restaurant business in London, I think. Fascinating time in terms of how it changed yeah. and how it became and started to embrace global and globalization in terms of food. So the, the Dorchester really was the old, when I joined, the old stuffy Dorchester. But when I left, it was a completely different animal. I and mean, we put in China Tang. Uh, it had Alan Ducasse put in Alan Ducasse and I was involved in I was involved in a lot of the in a lot of the capital expenditure and the budgets and putting the projections together for those during the time I was there we spent over 60 million in capex in four years right um, I mean phenomenal amounts of money but I really saw the hotel completely change you know in its mindset uh, it went from being old school to modern and 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 to be what the Dorchester that, that yeah. it is today I work with some phenomenal people in the hotel and we really pushed you know when i joined like going back to real accountancy when i joined the only people that saw the accounts were the gm and the brunei investment agency so i literally would at the end at month end i would march the accounts in an envelope and give them to the general manager right and i and i would with give a, them to the wax seal on yes pra- 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 practically yeah. practically my yeah 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 and 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 that was that was how it was delivered that was how it was done and when i questioned it, it was like no general manager changed a year after i i joined chris christopher cowdry took over he's now ceo of the dorchester group yeah amazing 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 man and and just really started the revolutionary process. I mean, David Wilkinson is also a you know fabulous GM. It it just it was a different it was a different way of looking at it, really. And it was actually opening up the hotel. You know, you 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 opening up departments. You know, you had you had fiefdoms within the hotel. It was actually opening up as as and breaking those teams and making them collectively one team. Right. And and, and seeing all that happen was just was just phenomenal. But I spent four years there. I mean, uh, as I said, there's there's so much there to talk about. But but we 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 changed the reporting timeline. When I started, we we could report in it was 19 days. We used to report the accounts. <laughs> when I finished, we were we were reporting in three days. Right. And and it took a number. It took about six months of us working almost round the clock to change the processes that came into the month end to push them back for us to actually be able to streamline the process so that so that it became the norm. Yeah. I'll never forget Vincenzo, who um, who's my assistant um, and who's now um, he's now director of finance for the Dorchester and Forty Five Park Lane. He him saying to me. At about two o'clock in the morning, he was like, "Can we go home?" <laughs> and I was like, "We're we're not going home until the accounts are on Eve's desk, on the on the finance director's desk." So that was that was that was uh, the way I just wanted to push it. We did it. We did an amazing. But but the the leaving point for me was the the bar manager Giuliano came over one day, and he had a piece of paper in his hand, and he and he sticks it in front of me, and he goes he goes, but he goes. He goes, I have a bone to pick with you. He goes, do you see that debit on my P&L? That's not correct. <laughs> I just stood up and I said, Julian, do you know what? My, my job is done. If the bar manager is questioning the accounts and all the process that we went through to educate the hotel mm. about their P&Ls and responsibility, 
and creating that ownership if that's then my job is done then i'm off that's like um, one of those those movies where the uh the old master then just disappears into thin air and um, well yeah <laughs> yeah it's, i mean it, it was it was phenomenal because he, he giuliano had worked in the hotel for for 40 years right yeah so a lot, a, a lot of deep-rooted processes. Um, a lot of deep-rooted processes. He'd never seen his accounts, you know, and, and we went through a whole process of, I mean, sending out the accounts. We would we would email out the accounts for the heads of departments to approve before we signed them off. You know, so, yeah. so, so, and, and we built that process. So, so that was the Dorchester. I was on holidays out in Barcelona and looking around and, and I saw this hotel, which to this day is my favorite hotel in the world. It was, it was a, um, a hotel on top of Tibidado, which is the mountain that looks down on Barcelona, which has the cathedral on it and the cross. And I stood looking down and I was like, this, this is a hotel. This, this is a phenomenal property. So I looked up who the owner was, American guy, came back to London and I emailed him and said, I kind of read a bit about the company, read a bit about the hotels that they had. I just just loved the hotels they had, that they, they were all small boutique hotels. It was a growing company. And just emailed him and said, did he have a job? Right. Grabbing the bill by the horns. Yeah, I was ready to leave the Dorchester. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to work in finance forever. I wanted to kind of get towards ops. But but I was, I, I just I just wanted to be somewhere that was creating what I had um, seen in, in and what I'd gone through to date was really being involved in you know creation and and I just wanted to continue that journey. Uh, Mrs. Stein, David Stein, emailed me back uh, within about it was very quick. It was probably half an hour and was like, "I'm in London next week. Do you want to meet up?" Right. So I saw, saw, him, uh, saw him in London uh, the following week and he was like, uh, I've got something going in London and uh, I'll be in touch. A couple of months later, emails me back and then I started off as finance director for Stein Hotels in London. We had five hotels, uh, small hotels, small boutique hotels, and the whole group was kind of small lifestyle boutique. I mean, hotels in uh, basically northern Spain, so Barcelona, Mallorca. Uh, we had one, actually one in Malaga, which is later, but but kind of um, and pan-European, so up into Amsterdam, hotel up in Amsterdam, but hotels in Chateauez and Es Village, uh, on the Côte d'Azur, mm. just just absolutely stunning properties in Monaco. I can't remember the name of the hotel, but but so this amazing collection. So anyway, so, so and and huge ambitions for the group. So he, so he had uh, Irish investors that he partnered with that had bought three hotels in in London, small hotels, and he needed somebody to run them, and, and also the Cadogan, uh, Sloan Square. Right, um, okay. Sloan Gardens. Yeah. So, so I took over as finance director, setting up all again all procedures and 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 setting up a team, small team, and and this was my real foray towards where I am today in terms of asset management. We had Irish investors on on, as I said, three of the three of the hotels. We had English investors on one of them, and we had American Trinity Capital Partners investors on on the Cadogan. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was hairy to say the least. We had very little money. I remember one of the first phone calls I took from one of the Irish investors, guy, in very Irish language now, and that can be quite flowery, was like, whatever you do, you pay the interest on the loan. 
that was the first thing he said to right. me. He said, I don't care how you get it. He goes, but you, you better make the money. So, so, and, and uh, so, so that was really uh, Trinity Capital Partners. We never had money. We were going through constant um, cash calls with them. And it was, and I remember being out at uh, our Christmas party and we had, we had a call from the asset manager from Trinity. And I said, uh, said um, he said, uh, I need this report. I need it, I need it, and I need it now. And I was like, well, I've been drinking for about the last four hours, <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> and we're out at Christmas party. He goes, I don't care. I don't care. I need this report now. You better go back to the office and get it to me now. So, so, so I sent him an old report, <laughs> but I managed to work the trick. But it was the same. It was, the number hadn't changed, you know. Right. But but he was. But 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 I started to I started to see that 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 real you know the ownership side, the pressure of the ownership side, but also what what owners were able to do and do with hotels yeah. in terms of capital investment. Started to research that more and more and more. We wouldn't be uh, at a stage here yet where where you could just call that up on your mobile phone and send it off either. I would guess it would. This would be no, no. I, it was almost dial up, a dial up internet. On my la- <laughs> I was going to say Nokia, but um, yeah. <laughs> no, I I um oh, I was in a hotel. I had to ask them for like reception to help me send the file. I to I had to um, God, do you remember those I'd days? On, My word. On a USB and transfer the file, and then there was the whole security around the USB and all this. And, but but managed to man- yeah, got it got it to them anyway. But I turned my phone off after that. So so, yeah. so I was like, right, this, no, you know. But it was it was it was incredible. Um, I, I I really thought about that time, and I was like, I mean, I'd be no good at writing, but but I thought this is the time to write a book because it really felt. Stein was a really exciting young company with a with a, a whole load of very ambitious people wanting to build a group of hotels, and unfortunately, it fell apart. For uh, money, basically, just disappeared. That was uh, happened a few times, and and it, and it really it, it kind of fell apart as a company. Unfor- unfortunately, and the ownership structure was so fragmented between the hotels, it was actually very difficult to build a group. Right. But but in terms of a collection of hotels, they were stunning hotels, and it was it was a fabulous experience to be able to go around and see them and experience them. And and for me, really, it was the start of. Well, I had worked in Germany before, but actually, it was going back to that, working with different cultures, working with different people. People. I mean, I haven't got any Spanish, but trying to te- to to tell a supplier, you know, they're not going to get paid in, in, in broken Spanish. <laughs> you yeah. know, this, you learn you learn some you learn some odd skills, but manage to get through it and, and and get some and build some amazing friends around Europe. I mean, from Amsterdam down then through France. So you know, and, and and even to this day, in touch with them and seeing, you know, a couple of them have gone on created their own hotels and own hotel companies, and it's. It's a delight to be still in touch with them. And from that, I moved really into asset management in Hamilton Hotel Partners. Yep. Unfortunately, I joined in 2008 when the world fell apart. Um, right. Well, so that seems be- like a small fish now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It fell apart. It didn't completely and totally and utterly stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, it is a new definition now. Yeah. <laughs> But but oh, do you uh, remember yeah, the uh, days when we used to fantasize about two thousand and eight and nine yes. and how good it was back then? Yeah, yeah I know. 
I know. Anyway. I know. So we, so yeah, so I spent four years with Chris and Frank and Hamadan Hotel Partners, and it was it was really really great. It was it was uh, it was great. It was very different for me. It was challenging for me. Well, these are these are really not that I, I suggest that um, the previous guys that you worked for weren't serious, but these are really serious guys that you know they they really know what they're doing. They do, they do, and they are, and and it was it was a really different skill set, you know. I remember writing my first report and hotel performance detailed report, and literally, um, Sally Robinson, who was a director with them, she's sending it back to me, and of course I'd never seen the edit function before, but she said, right. and it was just red, all <laughs> over. I, I I nearly had a heart attack. You know, here's me riding high, finance director for a small boutique hotel group across Europe. I was looking after seven hotels in the end, you know, yeah. and I was joining Hamilton and it was like going back to school. It was just, really? it was just, right. it was, it was, uh, and Frank and Chris are extremely pedantic, you know, and detail and the importance and the attention to detail was something that, you know, that you as an operator, you know, you, you, you have a real attention to detail, but sometimes you don't necessarily have the time, you know, or, or your focus is on delivering it front end to the guest. It may not be behind the scenes. It may not be as, you know, it may not be as, as sharp. Yeah, because you're putting so much into the guest um, and and that delivery and and Frank and Chris um, ultimately taught me um, the importance of that detail and the importance of just being uncompromising. I mean, you know, the, both of them have the highest. Frank has has the highest standards all across the the business, and just he's completely uncompromising. Sometimes too, um, but 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 actually, it is it is always in the best interest and in the best outcome. Yeah. Trying to get and push his team and the team that, that, he, that he is working with you know, to achieve the maximum they can achieve. And I really saw that through the, through the years that I was there. You know, I found it difficult. I, I will say, you know, writing reports isn't my natural talent, but I certainly worked hard at developing the skill. And that, and that was the thing. It was about all putting in that effort yeah, and that and that's what it really. I mean, I came out of that with some with a real understanding of what asset management was, which is what I wanted. I came out of it with some great contacts. I came out of it having experienced more of the world and 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 hotels in different places. So so we, I was looking after a hotel in Jersey. I was looking after two hotels in Barcelona and dealing with different ownership groups. So a much wider um, experience of ownership groups, expectations, and really fra- and soaking up Frank's knowledge. And experience as much as yeah. as much as you could, um, but these are I think the the moments, aren't they, when you you find yourself perhaps on day one where you have a moment like that where you feel completely out of your depth, but that's when you learn if you want to fight yes. through it and and get to the other side. These are these tough people, and I, I use tough in inverted commas, are the ones that that kind of teach you the best lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what, it, it is, it, I mean, I had certainly experienced a lot of, a lot of tough managers and um, previous that, but it was the different way of working. It was the different skill set is what I found really challenging. Yeah. yeah it, it was a completely new skill set, you know, I mean, just, just totally down. It was almost, it was, it was like you were stepping back, 
you know, all those years and actually starting again. And that's what, and that is what I found quite challenging. But 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 both of them are great mentors, great people to work with, and I was very very fortunate and very lucky to spend my time there. I mean, and from there, then I moved on to Westmont, which was really into the asset management. I was looking after eight Hiltons across Europe, and um, five were managed, five and three were franchised. I was looking after an independent resort in Lanzarote and the Intercontinental in Prague. Right. So so That's quite a size nice sizable portfolio. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was given laptop. I was given. I was. Well, I was given laptop. I was. I was. I was given the number of the the taxi company to arrange. I was given my plane tickets. I was roughly told where the hotels were, and it was like off, off you go. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. You could basically go, go figure, go figure it out, and actually, but this is our. This is the budget we're, we're trying to achieve. This is the CapEx budget that we don't want to spend. So you need to start talking to Hilton about it. These are the names, phone them up and introduce yourself and off you go. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was full on. Yeah. Back to Europe. It was, uh, I was on, a, I, I, in the first year I was with Westmont, I did 135 flights. Whoa. Yeah. So, so it was, it was on a plane fairly regularly and uh, yeah, it, it got to the stage and I, and I was about, probably about, probably about a year in at this stage whereby everything was just almost automatic, you know, going, go, going to Heathrow, for, you know, half five on a Monday morning. That was just, I just woke up at five o'clock, got everything ready and just into, fell into the car, fell out of the airport, got on plane, went to wherever I was going to, you know, got in taxi. Got, it, it just, just, just life just became that constantly. Yeah. Every week was that. And I was going to, um, to, we were going to Strasbourg on one, on one of my trips. So I was with one of the other guys and I get out, get out of the airport and we were um, changing flight in Paris and then getting on local flight uh, over to Strasbourg. And we had an hour in between or we had an hour and a half, something like that. So we had a hotel in Charles de Gaulle and I was coming back to Charles de Gaulle that evening. So we were flying out a couple of hours in Strasbourg and back. So I get out, uh, fly into the airport and walk out. I said to Neil, I, I, I'm going to drop my bag at the hotel. Right. I'll see you. I'll see you in like an hour or so. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, yeah, fine. So out I went. I walked straight out the terminal, straight straight out and saw the bus, got on the bus. Bus starts driving out and I'm still writing emails. <laughs> so, so, so kind of like not really clocking. And uh, I looked up. I couldn't recognize where we were. Right. And I was, so I was like, so... Where, where, how long is it going to be till we get to the hotel? And he's like, well, it's going to be like 10, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. I was like, it couldn't be 10 minutes. The hotel is right at the airport. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's not. It's 10 minutes away. I was like, no, it's not. It's right on the airport. The hotel is, I, we, we own the hotel. <laughs> so, and I haven't seen you before, the, the driver of the bus. Mm. You, you must be new and you know I'm not. <laughs> I've been with the company for 10 years. I was like, right. <laughs> so, yes, I was like, Hold on a second. Which airport are we at? Orly. We were at the wrong airport. Ah, I, I, I had completely because everything had just become so automatic. Right. That I, I just had no. Uh, you know, you, your life just, you just, you just. You didn't. I didn't look up. 
Right. Yeah. And I went on and did that for two years and I was like, right, that's it. I, you know, I can't, I can't I've got to do something else because this is, it's just exhausting, you know, continuous travel all the time, but phenomenal experience. I mean, Westmont are great guys against you know, Dominic C, Andy Fish, who I work with, Christopher Rolston, you know, some great guys there. So, yeah. so, and I was very, very fortunate at the time. I, I left Westmont and I I, um, I wanted to get back close to the operations. I wanted to kind of experience what it was like. And I was very lucky I got a job with at the hotel collection where it just had been bought by Lone Star. Yep. And a, a gentleman I'd worked with before, Peter Manby, who's a good friend of mine, he had taken over as MD and Grant Hearn was chairman. And Peter asked me if I would head up finance from an operations perspective and help put in processes in. And actually the plan was to onboard 19 hotels that were being that Lone Star were looking at. So there was 19 hotels in the group, onboard 19 more, and then build a group and then sell it. And that was the plan. And there was a there was kind of a, a five year time horizon, good enough incentive to make it worth my while and make it actually really interesting. And, mm. and for me, it was rolling up the sleeves again and getting and actually managing a team of finance. Yep. So taking over finance and managing the central finance team and actually rationalizing it and really looking at it and how could we make it really effective to, there were a lot of economies that we needed and, and all of that. And, 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 we, and we did it, we did it, we did it a little bit different than one, how we thought we'd do it, but actually we managed to get some some serious revenue growth. I mean, we did 23% EBITDA growth the following year after taking over. We did, you know, we just did, we, we knocked the socks out in terms of in terms of financial performance. We had a really good year on, on, on the top line, but but it was great. And it was great to kind of get back with the operations and kind of, and being close because asset management is, you know, you fly in, you, know, you you have X amount of hours with the guys, you go through their reports, you you disagree, you agree, and then you off you go. You know, the, you're never really emotionally connecting because you're never spending long enough. At least if you're, you know, if you're, if you're, if it's a certain size, you're never spending long enough. And, and this kind of gave me that opportunity to be able to reconnect. Yep. Peter left and I took over in the end. And then we actually just, uh, we sold all the hotels in the end and then shut down the head office. I actually uh, I, I remember that because I think that was about the time that you and I first met, actually, yes. and that maybe that was something to do with the fact that you knew that something was coming to an end and that you know maybe it was time to engage with the recruiter and start seeing what was what. But I I, I yes. seem to remember that play, playing a pretty prominent part of your life at that point. Yeah, it did. I was like, Phil, find me a job in London. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm in Hinkley, That's right, which is yeah. near Leicester. You know, I mean, before I I um, I joined the hotel collection, I barely had worked. I I barely knew like where geographically where anything was in the, <laughs> any cities were in the UK. I mean, I right. had spent the first I would say eight years in London, hadn't left, had no money to leave, and I'd spent the next what was it probably ten years just travelling. Right. You know, yeah. it was just, it was, it was, um, so, so, so this was like, get me a job. So luckily managed to get a job back with, so Peter Moot came to London and, and he was doing some consulting with this private family office. They were looking to set up a, an asset management function within their business to look after the hotels that they had, which they had recently purchased, uh, the, basically bought the, the Sheraton and the Athenaeum out of their lease arrangement and taken on the management contracts. And they had just purchased three hotels. 
Peter, he was only doing a consultancy. He, he asked, would I be interested in having, in, in helping him really set this up with an intention of it being a couple of months and then moving on. I came down, met them, family office, uh, wood panelled family office. And I was like, it with a, a lovely big picture of the hunt over the ballroom yeah. or over, sorry, over the boardroom. And I was like, there's no way I could work with these guys. This is just, <laughs> this is just not me. I met the MD and, and actually just developed a little bit of relationship in terms of what they were trying to do and what ambitions they had. Yeah. And he talked me into it and started there. And here I am to nearly two and a half years later. Is it two and a half? Still, still yeah. uh, with SRSL. We've moved out of the wood paneled offices. We've moved to some beautiful offices in Soho. But the office is, is really interesting. And it's amazing how kind of how your career can be a circle. You know, when I was a young kid, I was feeding calves and we were cutting hay and out you know, kind of bringing in bales and, and, and working with my uncle on the agricultural engineering and, and feed, fixing tractors and all that. And in the business, there's three strands within, within uh, Sir Richard Sutton. There is the hotels, of which we have five, yeah. uh, 3M galleries and Bath, Chatham and Windsor. And uh, we've got the Sheraton and Piccadilly, Sheraton Grand, the Athenaeum beside it, which is managed by RAF trustees who have the Grove and the Runnymede. Yeah. And then we have the property line. So we have about 40 properties through kind of Mayfair, Soho, which are commercial. So it's commercial property and, and some residential. And then we have the farming business. So we have about 20,000 acres of farmland uh, that consists of estate, woodland. And then we have quite a lot of arable and, uh, and animals, big chickens, 40,000 chickens and so, so, so it, the farming piece brings me back to where, where I originally, you know, when I'm walking around the farm, walking around with the, with the guys on the farm, it is interesting because they look at me and they go, you're an accountant, you run the hotel sides, you haven't got a clue about farms, you know, you wouldn't yeah. know, any, you know anything about tractors. And then when I kind of start talking to them about, you know, driving, you know, cutting the hay with 290 Massey Ferguson, they were like, they're like, what? You know, so so it's quite, it, it is quite interesting from that perspective how it has it has gone the full circle. Yeah, uh, well, and not only that, but you're back in Soho again, and and back and back on Brewer Street, and yeah. you know, the, the, it actually looks right down on where the Titanic is, and I have such fun memories of Soho. You know, I I, I have, and they're clean memories. Um, uh, but, but, but I have such. I have Thanks such, for the caveat. Yeah, <laughs> I need to. I needed to clarify that. But but you know, like I don't know, being in Baritalia at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and and watching the you know, all of the queens come in and 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 just everything, just the atmosphere. Yeah, you know, it, it's just it, it it just it is when I it gives me an immense kick going to work every day. And going to work in an area of such vibrancy, and actually, although I do believe it is a, it is a bit sanitised, as I as I said earlier, um, mm. to actually see the restaurants, the vibrancy of the scene, you know, the street food that's there. I mean, I mean, COVID nineteen is, is is just, you know, we don't want to talk about that on this now, but it's so sad because there's so many operators that that are really starting up, you know, just just put their pitch up you know, have taken on big yeah. leases and, and this is a huge nightmare for them. And hopefully, 
I mean, we are we are um, owners of of restaurant sites, and, and we are providing as much support as we can. Um, yeah. But but ho- you know, ho- hopefully, the government will be able to provide that support as well. You know, and and and, and there will be an, a, a solution between the landlord's dilemma and the operator's dilemma, and and the support that's needed there. You know, yeah. um, because the moratorium can only go on for so long, but the landlord still has got has got finance to pay but you know and 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 that and that solution needs to be found but but there's so much going on and and it was a delight to walk out every day and 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 actually kind of go right what do i feel like today for lunch yeah well that's i mean that's just the the great thing about city center bases you know that that have such developed food centric places i mean soho is is one of the best and it changes all the time that's the, yes. the other thing as well right i mean yeah you know for you get pop-ups coming up you know, all the time and it, it just the place that you went to get that that asian spring roll that you had last week this week it's you know hot dogs or whatever yes. that's a really yeah. poor example but the um yeah burrito or get... yeah yeah exactly yeah um, you know? And that's that is the great thing about city centre for sure. Yes, yes. But the one thing that I've, as I, I, I which you started with, was the finance piece. I trained. I, I finished. I, I was. I wasn't great at studying um, uh, when I was. I was too too busy spending the two hundred pounds that I had from my wages to going out partying. But I've, I eventually did. I, I, I did. I finished the accountancy and I did I did SEMA, and. You know, I certainly wouldn't consider myself an accountant, accountant, but all through um, what I have done, certainly the, the, the training and the discipline of some of the people that I have worked with um, has certainly stood me as, you know, as and as I progressed into this asset management numbers focused side of the business mm-hmm. while managing to maintain the balance with the operations side, you know, the finance certainly has stood as as my backbone. Yeah. And 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 actually and kind of, you know, uh, when I look back at why I did accountancy, one of the reasons I did it was I looked at the, the top 50 CEOs of the top public companies in in the uk and and i think i worked out something like 60 percent were accountants right and i was like that's it i've got to train to be an accountant because 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 i kind of i thought i had the gift of the gap so i thought i could kind of i could wing marketing because the other the other 40 percent seemed to be marketing <laughs> so i thought i could wing the marketing side <laughs> but, but marketing but, is the gift of the gap isn't it so listening. yes yes indeed indeed but yes, yes, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and a lot of amazing people. And it's the people kept me away from, I think, and all the fun I was having kept me away from sending any of those letters to the investment banking, which I'm sure would have sent them right back. Going, go, 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 you, you haven't got a hope here, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, but the, well, I mean, I think the thing about that is, is that a lot of people get blinded by the, I suppose, the prospect of money, right? I mean, the yes. um, it is, it's a, a sector that's renowned as as having possibly more money than zen sometimes but you know so a lot of people pump for these things but overlook the thing that probably drives you more which is exactly the point that you made about actually having fun it's the thing that will give you longevity yeah in something as opposed to you know if you're money motivated then uh, you know of course, we all have bills to pay and a life to lead, and all of these things that you want to kind of have in your life. But if that's your priority number one, then I suggest you don't have a a, a long 
relationship with with that particular place. Yeah, I know. I I I absolutely agree. I mean, you've got to be passionate about what you're doing. I mean, you know, you and 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 I mean that that's something that I believe you you got to find your passion. You know, it's it's not easy, um, yeah. and it's not it's not easy. And I think I was I was fortunate. I was exposed to a lot of different areas. Yeah, I was exposed to accountancy at a young age. I was exposed to to the medical side. My mother, I was exposed. You know, so so I was quite I, I saw, but I was quite exposed. And 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 actually, what I really wanted to do was I I wanted to to do something that was fun, and I wanted to do something. That, I wasn't afraid of hard work. Yeah, you know, I really wasn't, and I wanted to do something which allowed me to to broaden my mind, to really broaden. I didn't want to be in a small village for the rest of my life. I wanted to go and see places, and you know, we we, we my parents had never gone away. My father was just refused to travel, but we we travelled around. We re- travelled around a fair bit in Ireland, and you know, and and but it but it refused overseas. So for me, going overseas and 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 being in a country where I couldn't speak the language and sitting down every night with a dictionary trying to learn five words so I could go down and practice them in the kitchen, yep. doing it every day. And I can I still talk to and Facebook is an amazing thing because I'm still in contact with some of the chefs that I was working with in 1994. Right. Yeah. And, and I can speak to them in German. Right. Which, which is, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. But, but the cult, the culture, the hospitality, you know, the, the ability to be able to experience so many diverse, different cultures, I think, is, is, is phenomenal experience. And, and, and hospitality allows people to do that through traveling, through, you know, through moving around, through meeting so many different peoples from so many different cultures. I think it's so educational. And, I mean, I, I, hard work is uh, not being afraid of hard work as you say you know well hospitality is not renowned for for the greatest of pay but i think it rewards so much in terms of you know, what what you can get out of it from other people yeah you know it, totally. it is it is a selfless industry in a sense yeah i completely agree and i think actually that the the directions that can take you off are just they are limitless really yes. uh, in terms yeah. of you know, okay you start in finance but maybe uh, you know, you're you had a grounding in core finance if you like but you've gone into something that is relatable but it's not you know you're not producing a set of management accounts day in day out yeah i mean day, i mean day, day, you know my, my job i mean uh, and what i'm doing day to day is really about optimizing performance from an asset perspective so we work with marriott and we work at a core and they manage the hotels day to day and we have the we have the the contractual relationship but then we have how much do we spend where do we spend our money in the hotels how do we invest in the hotels how do we create the greatest return yeah and uh, and, and it's for me it's all about it's in my job is all about optimizing optimizing value increasing and enhancing value um, and it is looking at new projects looking at hotels and and when we're looking at it through the lens of creating more value do we do we add an additional floor onto the hotel do we do we you know add, do we increase the size of the ballroom do we reduce the size of the ballroom and do we sell 
that you know where do we take it out and do we sell that space how do we it's really looking at it through that lens of of creating value and 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 part of that is 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 utilizing utilizing all that financial experience but also utilizing all of the soft skills through the operations and the understanding of the operations you know and and it's very important and we you know when you're going out and you're talking to people that you're able to talk the same language yeah you know and and almost like you know walking around and talking to the guys on the floor you know who were serving in the banquets you know i've done so many weddings you know i've served so many weddings i've dropped quite a few soups i've dropped you know i've, I've dropped a couple of champagne i've dropped a tr- trays of champagne so yeah. so so you can you can re- really understand the pressure and the stress that people are under and you know and 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 for now the time that we're in at the moment is really hard i mean even though we're not day to day in the hotels it is hard for me because i'm seeing i'm seeing and i'm fear, feeling and i'm hearing you know the 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 uh, personal challenges that people are going through yeah you know and we are trying as much as we can as an owner you know to help people um and and to for us to get to the other side of this as positively as we can yeah, I mean, that, that's all you could do. I mean, there's an awful lot written. You never know how much is true and, and the like, but an awful lot written about, you know, owners. I think everybody gets marked with the same brush sometimes, which is massively unfair uh, about the fact that, you know, they're they're not taking their own hit, but I guarantee you that they absolutely are. Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and uh, yeah, we certainly are. You know, yeah. so it is. There's a lot of the, the, yeah. It's it's it, it's it's a difficult time, but yeah. but I think that um, we don't want to dwell on that because there's because there's, there's lots. You know, we will get to the other side of it. Yeah. Hospitality will grow, will grow, and we'll get back on track. And I do believe people want to travel, uh, and and there's so much exciting concepts, so much exciting people out there creating. Um, um, uh, such new, vibrant experiences that people will want to travel and see. Yeah. I do think that there are some important things, sustainability and the sustainability agenda. I mean, that is quite quite high on on our agenda. Um, it certainly aligns with the countryside and, and the course, importance yeah. that the countryside has for Sir Richard Sutton and actually has for Sir Richard himself, um, who is uh, very involved in the business. Um, and uh, and it is really part of our agenda, something that I'm really focused on, and and there and there are many other hybrids, hybrid uh, concepts that that we are looking at across the industry. So, so there's, there's there's lots of excitement, there's lots of excitement to to look forward to. I think we we have we do have a challenging few months ahead, but but we need to look forward um, beyond that too. Yep. Uh, absolutely I mean, otherwise what's the point right <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah, yeah exactly exactly okay what what would you say to to someone who was considering a career in hospitality Ooh, i wouldn't want to scare them too much yeah but, but i but i would say I, I would say definitely um uh, be tenacious work hard follow your passion find your passion and follow it yeah really and believe in yourself yeah really believe you know, you got to put the hard work in. I mean, I mean, in Westmont, I used to at least once a month work 24 hours. So I would, I would possibly start on a Thursday morning and I'd finish on a Friday evening at around five o'clock. Right. And that was besides like kind of the getting up at 5 a.m. for flights most days and getting home mm. at 11 o'clock at night. You know, but, but I used to do that fairly regularly. My girlfriend thought I was having an affair. 
um, you know, she, she, she was like, this is really, really, you know, but, but here I was, you know, in the office, you know, at three o'clock in the morning kind of going, but it was the only way that I could catch up and get my reports and everything done because I just, you know, that, that was kind of how it was. I certainly wouldn't advocate that, but, but, mm. but you do need to, you do need to set your goal, set your target. I mean, I, I, from quite early on, what you know, knew I want, knew that that um, you know I wanted to get the finance under my belt and I wanted to get back to the operations. But but even if you don't know, I think working hard, working with the right people, picking the people who uh, who are tough, who push themselves, who are uncompromising in their standards, uh, who are pushing boundaries, find those people and work with them. Because number one, it'll it'll it, it will stand out in your CV and you'll stand out from the crowd. Number two, it'll show you what it really is to achieve the highest standards. And yeah. number three, when you walk out the door, you'll be able to say that you're working with the best. That will change your view. It'll change your view of your experience. It'll change your view of yourself, and it'll create an awe. Uh, uh, you know, and, and that's something that actually is fundamental. If you, if you look at through the likes of Marco Pierre White, Marco Pierre White turned up at, at La Gavroche. I think it was La Gavroche, um, but he turned up there asking Michel Roux, uh, senior, yeah. if I remember correctly, for a job. And Michel Roux said, if you go away and cut your hair, I'll give you a job. But he was asking right. for a job. He, he didn't want to be paid. He just wanted the experience. Yeah. And 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 that is something that you cannot cannot buy that. You know, you those stamps on your CV, you know, of working in the best places, they will hold you throughout your career. So so where where possible, where possible, but away from that, um it is hard work, being bold and, and believing in yourself because you know what anyone can do it. You know, this is this is an industry which creates it creates opportunity. It's not it's not um, an industry that is highly academic at the start of it. It certainly is an industry that demands a, a high level lot of EQ yeah. and, and working on EQ. But actually, you work hard, you observe, you, you know, you work with the work with with the people who who help you and who develop you and who push you. Then the world is the world in hospitality is your oyster. It is your oyster. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the the message you've you said there is absolutely on point, and I think the um, it's you know it's the reason why the podcast exists in the first place is to is to tell people stories, but also to get their sense of of how to move forward. And you know, you're not always going to know straight away that it's the right thing for you. I think you your point that you make a, uh, about finding your passion. Yeah fits perfectly with you'll find your passion with whatever role that may be it's not necessarily about the sector it's about the role and you know the, the niche within the sector because you're you worked uh, you've worked for some from luxurious five-star brands that's not going to be for everyone but it doesn't mean that hospitality is not for you Correct. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the, going, going back to it, yeah, I just wanted to, when, when it really got going in my career, I just wanted, I just wanted a nightclub. Yeah. That, 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 <laughs> yeah. Still haven't got it, but I just wanted somewhere that had so, everybody was having so much fun. 
know, that, yeah. that, and it was just a blast. And and you know, I, I couldn't find the right partner to do that with. But but that was it was all about fun. You know, if if you're having fun, you're not working. You know, yeah. when, when you get yeah. to a certain level and you own it, there's different stresses, of course. You know, yeah. but, but but when you're it's it's you know when when you really really enjoying what you're doing, it's it's just it's it's fun and. And there's tough, there's tough and hard days, but 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 you know you, you you take them with a pinch of salt. I mean that's you know, but you get up in the morning and you go, you know, what, what what's going to happen today? You know, it's this, this yeah. like you know, so yeah, so it's it's it it dev it 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 is an industry that is hugely rewarding with some of with some amazing people. I couldn't agree more. And that yeah. to me sounds like a wonderful place to wrap it up with some positivity. William, thank you very much for for spending thank some time with us today. Phil been good to thank chat thank you very much we'll catch oh, up soon absolutely great yeah uh, indeed indeed so very yes, soon very soon absolutely Excellent. take care good. thank you cheers cheers bye 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 and there we have it what a wonderful career story from william proving how far you can go by putting fun at the heart of everything that you do don't forget we launch a brand new episode each week telling amazing stories from within hospitality so hit that subscribe button and share the stories If you can, leave us a five-star written review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.